In this episode of Hacking Normal, we're going to talk about the things that I think that each of us should, should try to control or have some autonomous ability of controlling within the workplace. There are five of them, and I think all five are easy to control. Um, and, and in fact, I think each of them could do their own podcast, but they may not be as apparent as some other things uh, that we have in the workplace. So uh, the first one is controlling our time. The second is controlling our location. The third is controlling our income streams. The fourth is controlling our emotion or how we react to the people around us. And the fifth is controlling our words, how we interact on a verbal basis with the people around us. All of this can be found on the website, hackingnormal.com. Just do a quick search for the five things to to control at work and uh, enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Hacking Normal. As I said in the intro, we're going to focus on the five things that I think are extremely important for you to have some type of control or autonomy over in the workplace. Um, These five things, like I listed off at the beginning, starting with uh, your time, followed by location, income, emotion, and words, are, I think, crucial to making sure that you are able to interact with the people that you want to or have to interact with in a way that makes you not only effective in what you're trying to be uh, or what you're trying to do at work, but also makes you the best peer and coworker possible. To start off, um, the first thing I want to do is kind of jump into the idea of time. Um, and everyone knows the familiar trope and saying that, you know, you, you're going to run out of time. Time is the only thing we can't get back and blah, 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 blah. There's always this ending idea of time about how there's not enough of it and you don't want to waste it. Okay, well, duh, obviously. Thanks a lot for pointing that out. But even though that's such a common thing, it's so easy for us to forget that when we're at, when we're at work, um, especially when uh, we are getting lost in the little nuances or the little distractions that people throw our way when it comes to kind of daily activity. When I think about time, I try to make sure that I do things in a way that allows me to control as much of it as possible. Um, and by control, I mean waste as little time as possible in not doing my own work. Um, the way that I've found that I can exceed um, my own potential, um, <laughs> that's a kind of a weird thing to say, but uh, my own potential is to create what I uh, have learned from Gary Papasan and, uh, or Gary, Gary Keller and Jay Papasan in their book, um, The One Thing, is to institute something called a time block. Now, a time block is simply a section of time during your day that you dedicate to a specific goal or activity. A good example of this would be at eight o'clock in the morning till about 11 or 12, I turn off all of my phones. I turn off my email. I don't go to social media. I have blocks on my computer, so I can't go to certain websites. I lock my door. I put in headphones. I do everything I can to make sure that there's no outside distractions. Then in that three to four hour window, I do as much work as I possibly can on the goal or the project that I need to focus on for that day. And my ultimate objective is to finish whatever I've been working on, whatever I decided to do in that time block, in that time block. So let's say, for example, I needed to write an article for the website hackingnormal.com. 
okay? I would give myself a time block of, let's say, two hours. And in that two hours, I do research, I write, I review, and then I publish. If I can't get it done in those two hours, there's a reason why. And I need to figure out what that reason is so I can get rid of it in my my process of future article writing. But what I've found is when I institute these time blocks, not only am I more effective in what I'm trying to uh, get finished, you know, I'm getting efficacious action. Not only is it effective, but it's also efficient. I tend to create better things because I have a timeline. Okay, there's no Parkinson's law where I I let it expand to the full time frame of the day. And then I find out, oh, I didn't even get one article written in, in, in today's time. Oh, I guess I'll do it tomorrow. No, no, no. I get it done in those two hours. And then what I find is because I have sliced that amount of time out of my day, I actually end up creating time for myself to do other things, uh, such as learn something new um, or go and work on another project or uh, implement things that make tomorrow's work easier. So time blocking has been this immensely helpful tool for me, um, and it's made getting my work done better and at the same time has helped me control my time throughout the day rather than just kind of letting it do whatever it wants to do and be distracted or hijacked by someone else's distraction. So number two on my list is location. It's really important for me, and I think a very important thing for this new transforming interconnected economy that we have, that people really get the appreciation of controlling their location. Now, I think there will always be a time where your location is not something you can control. There's um, a lot of people who still have to work in an office. So when I say, you know, my, my dream opportunity or dream scenario of, of having control of your location is I want everybody to essentially have a remote employee position, that's not always true. I mean, there's always going to be a need for a doctor to do surgery on, or a neurosurgeon to do surgery on the brain. You can't really do that remotely. Uh, I'm going to put an asterisk there uh, yet. But a majority of our jobs are going to be done, uh, or not a majority, but a good portion of our jobs are going to be, need to be done in person. Like, Garbage collector, teachers, I, I even say all those things. Again, asterisks until they can be done remotely. The technology just isn't there yet. But what I want to make the point is, before I get too tangential on that, is as an employee, it's very important to control your location. Whether you are stuck in an office, you're a tethered telecommute employee, or you're completely remote. As a person in the office, you know you need to make sure that your space is your space. Make sure that your work is being done in a place that is conducive to helping you think and be creative and help you be efficacious in what you're trying to do and try to you know execute on your the reason you were hired. Um, at the same time, if you're like a tethered or telecommute employee, you need to have a situation where you know that when you go into the office for this time, it's not wasted. You need to make sure that when you get there, you're doing the meetings you need to. You need to be in the meetings that you need to be in, or or doing the things you need to do on campus. Whatever it happens to be, if you're a remote employee, um, like I am, it's really important that you have locations or or atmospheres that help you be able to that help you work in the most optimal way possible. So just as an example, um, because this is how I've been living my life for the past eight years, I have three atmospheres that I need to be in. Um, If I'm going to be creative, um, I need to be in an open, comfortable space. Um, A few examples of that would be something like a coffee shop or a library or a bookstore or even just a big meeting room um, at a company, just places where there's openness there it doesn't feel like I'm, I'm constricted I need to be able to expand my mind and think in ways that 
maybe I wouldn't be able to do if I was, you know, stuck at my desk in a corner. That's my first atmosphere I need to work in. I need a creative atmosphere. Second, I need an atmosphere where I can be efficacious in. And usually that means I need a space, you know, a desk in my room or a desk at an office, or um, I need some particular tools around me that make it to where I'm able to execute on my objectives and the things I need to work on. Um, For me, uh, this is best done. uh, This atmosphere is done essentially huddled over my desk um, at my, in my office, in my home office. Um, It allows me to think and act quickly. Um, It's not so much thinking to be creative, but thinking like to quick problem solve. Something's been introduced to me and I need to tackle it. Um, that's that's really important for me. Um, and being able to act fast. I'm, I'm almost acting in an autonomous way here. I'm just doing things quickly as I can. I know they're going to be going into the right spot. They're going to be executed. And then boom, they're done. Those are those administrative tasks is what I call them need to be done in a place like I was saying that I have all my tools by me, my computer, my microphone, my my printer, you know, access to the Internet, all of that stuff. So so first is creative, second was efficacious, and third, I need a place where I can be contemplative and forward-thinking. Um, and most of the time, that honestly has nothing to do with work. I need really just places to detach from the work environment. So the best places for me to be contemplative and forward-thinking are places like the gym, where I go to work out, or um, mowing the lawn where I can de-stress and just do a monotonous, repetitive task over and over again. What I find is when I put myself in these situations, I get aha moments uh, because my subconscious mind decides to come up with an answer that maybe I couldn't figure out while I was you know, pounding my head into the desk. And I think that that is how most people would want to work. I think it really is important that you have the creative, efficacious, and contemplative atmospheres because those are three different places that demand different types of thinking, different types of interaction with your work. Again, time, location, I think are my top two. That's why they're the first two in the article that I'm, I'm using to do this podcast. Um, but then the third one, I think, kind of bleeds from or comes from having control or autonomy over your time and location, which is having control over your income streams. Um, As strange as this one may seem, um, having the ability to control your sources of income is an extremely important thing to have. If you are at all capable of creating multiple sources of income, you get two great things. One, you get more money, which means you get more opportunities to invest, to do more fun things, experience more things, or to purchase more material things that you need around your house or your apartment or whatever it is. I mean, more money is always good. Now, the blind pursuit of money, I would argue, is bad, but doing something that's constructive, challenging, makes you a better person, makes you more valuable for the future, and then gives you money in excess of what you are already making, I think that's a really good thing. The second is it creates a buffer between you and any possible inconveniences that may come about in just day-to-day life. You know, nobody can predict when they're going to get in a car accident and break their leg. If you, for some reason, didn't have the ability to pay for those medical bills because of of the one job or by getting in an accident, you couldn't work, therefore you couldn't get any money, that would suck. You need a buffer, a second, third, fourth avenue of income coming in. Or, God forbid this happens, but let's say you lose your job. A lot of people 
When they lose their job, they lose their sole source of income. I have tried my best to institute multiple sources of income in my life, mainly for that last scenario that I described, which is losing your job. Um, For me and the stuff that I work in, uh, which is like the digital space, um, it's very easy for companies to drop their digital marketers. It's very easy for companies to say, you know what, we're going to invest in the product, not the marketing, or we need to invest in hiring more salespeople and getting rid of people who are doing data mining. Now, is that the correct mentality? I don't know. But for some reason, I have just been around enough companies where the stuff that I do is seen as a luxury, not a necessity. I try to protect myself from these inconveniences. And what happens is, is let's say I have three sources of income. I work for three companies on a part-time basis, okay? And let's say each of those companies pays me 20 grand a year for part-time work, okay? 60 grand a year, no big deal, okay? That's about what one person would get paid at a normal company for doing what I do, all right? So what happens is if company A says, hey, you know, we're, we're in a downturn right now. We can't afford you anymore. We, we're going to have to get rid of you, okay? That sucks. But by getting rid of me, they've only destroyed one third of my income, $20,000 of my $60,000. I'm still making $40,000. I don't think there are any individuals out there who would say, you know, I'd rather lose the full 60,000 than just a third of the 60,000. And I think a lot of people would benefit from seeking an opportunity to get that buffer. Now, a little caveat to getting that income buffer is you need control of your time and location. I have complete control of when, where, and how I work throughout the day. No company gets to own all of my time. So time, location, and income, top three right there. Now, the next two, I think, are secondary controls, but I still think that they're very important for you to have that, uh, pursue controlling and having some kind of autonomy over. Um, and the fourth one is emotion. It's very easy in the work environment to get overwhelmed with emotions, very easy to get frustrated, angry, you can get overexcited, you can be overzealous, you can, you know, put all of your eggs in one basket and things come crashing down or what have you. Um, Emotion, I think, um, is a very dangerous thing to have in the workplace. It takes away objective reasoning and makes it very subjective and it makes uh, people get too passionate about something when they should be looking at it with dispassion. It closes people's minds because they want something done their way or the way they feel like it's right rather than somebody coming in and offering a new open-minded view of the world or way of working. It eliminates neutrality. It makes people feel like they have to be on teams. Um, And then most importantly, emotional engagement in the workplace takes away impartial decision-making. So in order for us to make sure that we're always objective, making sure that we're always dispassionate, that we're disinterested and we're not closed-minded and all that stuff, I think that the best way to control our emotions in the workplace is to implement detachment or the idea of detachment or stoicism. What detachment is, is the ability to look at things objectively almost in an aloof way, not in a stupid aloof way like you're clueless, but you look at it and you don't let it bother you. If a coworker gets mad at you, you kind of look at them and you wait for them to get mad and then you respond in a neutral way. I think detachment allows for us to take that amalgamation of personalities within the, within the office and turns it into not so much of a toxic relationship that could come, come about 
and makes it a cohesive ability or make, gives you the ability to have a cohesive uh, interconnected relationship with everybody without having to be one type of person to Alice over here and one person to Frank over here. The last thing is number five, which is words. Words are powerful. Words can cut someone down. They can build someone up. Um, but words are a double-edged sword. They can come back and they can cut you down or they can build you up. What my rule of thumb is whenever I'm at work, when there's gossip, when there's little whisperings, when there are um, stories being spread around the office, I choose to not listen to what those people are saying and to also not give my opinion on the things that they're saying to me. I just want you to be aware that not everything you uh, believe or that you hear or that you think needs to be said. You know, the gossip and the personal conversations um, at work should be kept to a minimum and they should be kept very professional. If they're ever diverging from a professional tone, well, maybe it's time to say, hey, you know, I forgot I have something to do. I'll get back to you uh, later today. So those are the five things. First, control your time. Second, control your location. Three, control your income. Fourth, control your emotions. And fifth, do whatever you can to control the words that come out of your mouth. Um, Because I think all of these things give you not only the power, the high ground, make you seem more professional, but they also give you the most autonomy in your work, therefore allowing you to be the best that you can be within your workplace.